0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: The United States men's national team get ready to face Jamaica this week. And my goodness, do I have a great chat for you on Lasso as Robbie Earl former Jamaica international, of course, a dual national uh, in England as well, uh, former Wimbledon legend with the crazy gang. He's obviously also known in the U.S. as part of NBC's Premier League coverage. Robbie Earls joins me today to discuss this, uh, his experiences, his resume, of course, his work with NBC, but most importantly, Jamaica and what they aim to do in CONCACAF as Qatar nears me and Robbie Earls. Okay, well, Lasso begins. Right now. Hey, everybody, joining us now on Key Golazo CBS Sports is Robbie Earl. Robbie, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Louise. I'm, I'm very well. Thank you, my friend. Um, it's really great to have you. I wanted everybody uh, to hear before we begin. About your amazing resume, to be honest. Okay. Here in the US, we're all familiar mm-hmm. with Robbie's fantastic work with NBC Sports as part of their great Premier League crew. He's one half of two Robbie's podcasts with Robbie Musto as well. It's a tremendous pod. So make sure that you listen to this one and theirs as well. Okay? <laughs> um, but Robbie's playing career comes with so many amazing achievements. A youth player at Stoke City, Robbie first entered the professional game with Port Vale, where he achieved cult hero status i remember it then in the 90s he was part of the wimbledon's well-known crazy gang alongside legendary players such as john fashion vinnie jones efina marcus gale jason yule i mean as someone who grew up in part of england in the 90s i can tell you it was a memorable team robbie mm. english born to jamaican parents also represented the reggae boys and was part of their first and only appearance at the world cup it was the 1998 one and he scored Jamaica's first ever goal at the World Cup finals and played in all three games in the tournament. And now, as Jamaica prepared to take on the United States in a friendly, but really more importantly, as the team gets ready to try and disrupt CONCACAF, I wanted to bring Robbie to the show to get his perspective. And let's not forget, too, that he's Robbie Earl, MBE, by the way, for his services to the game. Robbie, so I mean, I'm just so thankful. It's the first time we've, we've met. I'm so happy you're yeah. here. Um First of all, how are you? How's life? How's this last year been for you?
2: Life's been uh, not too bad. Obviously, amongst a pandemic with so much going on, so many people having hardships, losing part of their, their families. It sometimes puts football in perspective and while we work in, in in the industry and love the industry and love the games, um, we also realize that sometimes there's more important things in life. But what we have been able to do, and thankfully, and, and someone like yourself, is, is to be able to offer people some lighter moments, some entertainment, some distractions from what's going on. So we've um, we've took that responsibility seriously. We've we've tried to um, lighten moments when we can around games. We've made important statements about race, about gender equality, about homophobic issues um while we're broadcasting. Um and it's been a it's been a challenging year, but I think it's it's been a satisfying year. Unfortunately the Premier League um has managed to continue
1: yeah well as you said it's been tough but we try and give entertainment as much as we can over here we try and do that with champions league etc and with you guys and NBC. the premier league coverage is just tremendous and i'm I'm very thankful that you're part of it and as you said not just the fun things but the important things Mm -hmm. the black and minority issues everything that's been going on so for that my friend uh really we all appreciate it all right listen There's so much I want to talk to you about, including, of Mm -hmm. course, Jamaica. Uh, We'll get to that in a second. Very quickly, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Premier League. Um, We're an international break right now, but yeah, city are rolling. Chelsea Mm -hmm. doing well under Tuchel. Liverpool looking from the outside in. Um, How has this season been for you in terms of performance? Anything major that sticks out to you?
2: I think, as as we've said, it's been a a very different year, an unusual year, crazy year with with the pandemic, with players in bubbles, with players testing twice a week, and so I think what what stands out this season, and we're seeing the the, the fruit being being born now. Of of, I think you have to. This year was it was a was a unique year in terms of coaching. You had to look at your team. And coach a team in a different way. And I think Pep Guardiola got it spot on. I think early in the season, he was rotating players. He was resting players. He was giving people 50, 60 minutes and, and almost having two teams playing in the Premier League in the early stages while we had this compressed fixture list, while there was games on a Saturday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and then a following Saturday. And I think now that it's borne out by Manchester City offline. They've probably got the fittest squad uh, at the moment. They've got no injuries at the moment. And that has put them in, in good stead. Everybody else has either lost one or two key players, Liverpool four or five key players, and it's caused, it's caused them problems. So I think this year I've called it COVID coaching. I think Pep's been the best COVID coach. And um, that's the reason why City sit at the top of the table, and, and look all in terms of purposes, to go on and, and win the title.
1: Yeah, well, see, Robbie, this is why I knew me and you were going to be friends. Because my mm-hmm. first, then my next question was going to be about City. I knew mm-hmm. you were going to say City because me and you <laughs> think exactly alike. Um, I agree. I think Guardiola's done a tremendous job. Obviously, it doesn't hurt when you have a squad like that, no, but you still have to manage world. them. You still mm-hmm. have to do that. What do you think? Robbie uh just instinctively right now yes. what do you think of man city's uh chances of the quadruple
2: it's a challenge because one bad night one bad day ends the quadruple you have an off day in a final you don't turn up in one of the the quarterfinals of of the champions league and you can get hurt and it can be terminal so I mean, it, it, we're talking like the real high... This is, you know, the rare air up there that we're talking about quadruples. Great teams uh, struggle for quadruples. What, what is in the favour, and I think you're right, I think they could almost put two teams out in the Premier League and they'd both be in the top half of the table. I think that there, there's competition for places which is healthy at this stage of the season. So, Raheem Sterling, who's been brilliant in the football club over the last three years now all of a sudden is not guaranteed a place. Sergio Aguero, the the, the great goal scorer he's been in the Premier League here, is not guaranteed a place. When you've got that kind of competition with that quality of player, if, if it can be well managed, if you can have the luck and if you can not have a bad night, not have one but one day when you don't turn up at the office, then it's, it's doable, but it, it's still very rare air that we're talking about.
1: Yeah, so obviously I think we can say that they are definitely favorites for the Premier League, uh, yeah. you know, domestic competition that also maybe could be proven. I wonder, uh, Robby, what you think about their chances in the Champions League? Uh, you know, obviously there's other teams that they, they have yeah. Borussia Dortmund coming up. But uh, yeah. h- how likely do you see them? Because that's really Guardiola's that's like, yeah. biggest objective.
2: That's the one they've looked for. In quarterfinals, it has been an nemesis so far. They've got there so many times, it's not quite happened for them. Listen, this is a young Dortmund team with Erlen Haaland who's got one, something to prove. This is, this is a test. And then any team, when you get to this level of Champions League football, I know Porto were the team everybody may be wanting. Real Madrid have got one night in them when they can, they can hurt you. Um, Chelsea, football club under Tuchel are very well organised now don't give a lot away, if they start clicking up front, they can have a, a night so that, there's no doubt that's the one that Pep wants, there's no doubt that there'll be a focus on that uh, but Manchester City, I, I know they, they sit as favourites at the moment to win the tournament but Bayern Munich are still there and and, and that's never an easy night and they've got, to get, they've got to get through, first of all let's get through the quarterfinals. let's get to the semi-finals and we can talk again
1: yeah, no, absolutely right. Uh, it's going to be very intriguing to see. All right. Okay, let's switch gears for a second, Robbie. Mm. I mentioned you play, your playing career. Uh, I remember those days because I yeah, grew up yeah. in the south of England. Uh, what a team, Wimbledon, huh? What, what was it like playing in that era with that team in the Premier League during those times? Yeah.
2: I mean, it was amazing. The more you look back and the more that you, you recognise and, and remember those times, the, the more it brings a smile to my face. I, I think the biggest compliment I can give of the group, of the era, of the time, and it was, you know, the early days of the Premier League, which, which is a different Premier League than we see now. But um, the biggest compliment I can give of the group and, and the team and, and the feeling of the football club that we have a, still a WhatsApp group called the crazy gang oh, that's- and there's 20 to 25 players who are still on there and every now and then something clicks or somebody says something about somebody or if I've been on TV the boys might give me a bit of stick or, or a terrible tie what you're doing and I mean it still continues and I always explain it to people the best way I can explain it is like most guys will girls and guys will play a weekend in their in their team with their friends. It was like playing with ten of your friends. It was just that it was going on in the Premier League, and um, you know we'd go to Manchester United, we'd go to Arsenal, we'd go to Liverpool, we'd go to Chelsea, and we would not be inferior. We wouldn't feel as though they were better than us. We'd go and we, we'd go and give them as good as we got. Not and often we, we'd give them a bloody nose. And um, we kind of stood for something. I always felt we were the underdog. We were a lot of people's second team. We didn't quite have the money that, that the big teams had and we didn't have the glamour that the big teams had, but we, we stood for something. And, um, you know, there was a lot of people who, who got enjoyment out of what we did.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, first of all, that's amazing about your WhatsApp group. I, I, I'm wondering how. I'm sure Vinny is the, is the loudest one in that group, isn't there, it?
2: There's a few. There's always a few. I mean, what happens? Vinny's very much front of house, but there was all. There's always a couple in the background. who we say they they load the bullets and let like, Jonesy fire them? So. Um... <laughs> That's how we, we used to work it. But, yeah, I mean, just great characters, good people, really. And, and we come together when, when we've had to. We've had one of our teammates who passed away over the last 12 months. We all came together at that time and helped his family and, and, and made sure we were there for them. So, yeah, through good and bad times, we, we, you know, it's definitely a, 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 a band of brothers. And, um, you know, we look out for each other.
1: Yeah, I really recommend if you are a young uh, football fan, uh, soccer fan, uh, please just, you know, even if you can go on YouTube and just watch some clips. It was, I, I went to see you guys play a lot because mm-hmm. my lifelong team, Aston Villa, obviously, I couldn't go to Birmingham every single yeah. time. So I would come to see you. And my God, the games were amazing. They were so yeah. Because it really, you know, when you watch that Wimbledon, also the fans just gave it that sort of, yeah. you know, you said you didn't feel inferior to anybody. Fans were exactly the same. It was amazing.
2: Yeah, they, there wasn't sometimes as many of them as you see. When we played the big games, that you know, if we played the Spurs or a Chelsea or Man United and they scored... You know, half the ground would go up with the Man United fans, but the half of the Wilberman fans w- would make their noise as well. And, yeah, they were very proud of, of what we did and, and what we stood for as a team in an era. And I'm sure you'll remember then the uh, Aston Villa at Sellers Park, Dalian Atkinson scoring a brilliant goal. And, and one, of one of the greatest
1: One of the greatest goals. One of the greatest
2: goals ever in the Premier League. And, yeah, Dalian became a friend I got to know off the pitch. A, a lovely guy, such a, a sad loss. Uh, yeah but he he decided to pick that day to weave his way past five or six Wimbledon players and chip the goalkeeper I've never ever quite got over that one but yeah
1: yeah. well listen uh after this part I might have to hear more so because (laughs) Deline aside from Dwight York he's a personal Aston Villa hero of mine it's unbelievable just fantastic I mean we could go on and on but let's move on actually let me ask you one last thing who was the best player Robbie that you played against that's a, a really question. hard
2: question. So yeah, it's, it's a hard question. I, I would, I, I always say there, there was two really in terms of internationally. The best player I played against was Juan Sebastian Veron, wow. playing for Argentina. I mean, he was he was an absolute legend and um, brilliant footballer. He came to England. It played at Manchester United and Chelsea. I don't think we saw the best of him in the Premier League. Maybe the intensity, the times where when he played for Argentina, he was the man. When he asked for the ball, they gave it him. And I remember trying to at one time stop him, and it, and I just felt like a kid against a, an adult. He was—he could play with his left foot, with his right foot. He could play around me. He was quick. He was strong. He was intelligent. It was just like wow, there, there's another level I, I couldn't get to. And then in the Premier League, very early on in, in my Premier League days, and I, my career started quite well, and I, I got um, you know a bit of recognition early when I started in the Premier League. I came up against a, a young Roy Keane who at the time was playing for Nottingham Forest and Brian Clough. I remember the day we played Forest and, and thinking, wow, after I came off, geez, that, was, that, was a, that was a midfield powerhouse. I mean, I could run up and down and, you know, I had a bit of box to box, but this guy was another level. And uh, it kind of was very humbling and kind of gave me the incentive to train harder and get back in on, the, on the on the training ground and do a little bit extra work. So that was the young Roy Keane that went on to Manchester United and, and we know what, what went, went on from there.
1: Yeah, he was the quintessential Brian Clough player. Oh, yeah, like, was
2: just, a brilliant player.
1: Unbelievable. Just uh, what, what two great examples. I met Juan Sebastián Verón a few years ago and I was okay. so scared. He was so yeah. nice. We had a great yeah. chat, but Verón is just like, wow, la brujita, we call him in Spanish. Unbelievable. Yeah, That's fantastic. A big... Great examples. Mm-hmm. Um, Robbie, all right, let's talk Jamaica for a second. Mm-hmm. How did it feel to play that World Cup in 98?
2: Um, I think the biggest thing I would say, though, the word was pride. It was with great pride that, you know, I'd, I'd been in a couple of England squads and around them and it hadn't quite worked for me and... Through my through my parentage and a number of my parents left the Caribbean to come to England, you know, for children's education, et cetera, and a better life. So um, it, it kind of was proud to to represent them. I almost felt it was it was a thank you to them for the sacrifices they'd gone. Um, and obviously to be um, the first Caribbean nation to, to play there, to obviously score the goal w- w- was something that this stays with you and this great bit of history. Um, so pride would be, be the real thing. It was, it was a time when I always felt that we, we kind of helped put Jamaica on the map a little bit in terms of, you know, back in the country. Economy was up, crime was down, people were wanting, you know, the tourist board were were, were thriving, all because the football and all because the reggae balls it brought a spotlight to Jamaica and often Jamaica can be seen in the wrong light. So I thought it was it was a time when we actually put it in in, in, in some good light, give it a good platform, and people could could see it for its beauty.
1: Yeah. Now I, you mentioned a few very important things there. Uh, obviously. Uh, you know, born uh, in England to Jamaican parents. I can relate a lot to this. You know, uh, my entire family is Peruvian, but I grew up in England, of course. So I have this dual uh, identity as well. And you mentioned it. It was like a thank you to your parents. And I feel that that's a very important narrative that many people need to remember. You joined Jamaica at 32. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can only understand the complexities that come with representing and honoring the nations and cultures that create a human being. And we're seeing it a lot in CONCACAF. The United States men's national team, Mexico, Curacao, of course, Jamaica now is looking to recruit as well. Do you think um, how difficult was that decision, by the way? Because you mentioned obviously that you represented England in different levels. But the moment that you made that call for Jamaica, how, how difficult was it? How intricate?
2: Yeah. Um... Not difficult at all. Really. I suppose the, the, more, the most difficult thing was was working out the logistics of, of you know, flying to Jamaica when we need to be games. I had a Premier League career that was going. My club were a little bit concerned I was going to be away a lot. So I right. think working through the logistics was was the kind of first point. But in terms of going to the to the football club and, and you know, I've been in a couple of England squads where I've been in training and, and it's very structured and very professional and, and done a certain way. And then you, you know, I, I remember going out to Jamaica and we played in what was like a Caribbean Cup co- competition, inter-island competition. It was more like friendlies to 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 do, have a look at players. And, and I always remember doing the game, and, and it was in Jamaica we we played a match. And after the the game, we went back to the accommodation, the house that we stayed in, which was a house on its own on, on a nice piece of land. And the we showered by all that having the hose pipe. And I hosed the guy in front of me, and the guy behind hosed me. And it was like there was so, there was something so spiritual, There was something that drew us together. There was something that was like, this would never happen in England, but this is what's great about this opportunity and the adventure. And um it, it kind of took me back. And it's really interesting because probably as we've got older and we've seen in recent times, things like the ancestry. Um, companies are coming out and you find out a little bit more. I think people are more in tune. People want to know a bit more about where they come from, who are the people in their family that family line. And for me, Jamaica was that, you know, my, my, I got to understand and know and learn and have a better relationship with my father. To spending more time in Jamaica and understanding him as a person and, and the country that he grew up in, so I got as much as I as I was given playing for Jamaica. And and in the end, it was it was a very sort of easy decision for me to make.
1: That's amazing. I love that uh, the 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 hosing each other. It's true. You just bring it back to the simplicity of the game. Mm. That's what makes it so amazing. Um. All right. Well, Coach Tapper, right? Your former teammate. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He's the Absolutely, manager yeah. of, of Jamaica, mm. getting ready for the USMNT uh, this week as, as we're yeah. taping. But but Robbie, there's much more to talk about in terms of their recruitment process and all the right. reports that we're hearing. Michael Antonio from West Ham being talked about. Ivan Tony, who's just yeah. killing it with Brentford. Brentford um, yeah. w- what do you feel about that?
2: First of all, I just want to make, I think, an important point about uh, Tapper, uh, Theodore Whitmore, who I played with as an outstanding individual footballer and had had a good good career over in in England.
1: Two Um, goals against Japan at the World Cup, right? Yeah, and two
2: goals. Uh, it's nice to see a jamaican manager managing the, the the team and that we don't have to feel it always has to be a european or somebody from outside of the country who can who can do that And has done a great job he's helped develop the the system underneath the team's now competitive and as you talk about the next stage is looking at, at qualification of, of, of players through parentage and grandparents and it's something that jamaica should do and other other nations are the the us are a great example. The Republic of Ireland have built teams based on, you know, making sure they, they've gone into their talent pool and, and wherever they can. And um, it could be exciting times when you think of the type of players like Mikel Antonio, Ravel Morrison, you know, the um, Ivan Tonic you talked about, Liam Moore. The, there's a number of players who probably not going to play international football for England. They're probably at the stage where they're thinking, you know, the international stage is great to next level of, of performance and they, they qualify through um, parents or grandparents to play for the, for the nation. So it, it could be a really exciting time. And, and I know Tapper and a few people at the JFF are exploring those opportunities and, and making the right approaches. Um, and, and, and I'm looking forward to it because it was the opportunity that, that I got to, to play international football and have the wonderful journey that was the World Cup. And, and with the quality of some of the players we're talking about, it definitely puts uh, Jamaica in a better opportunity to qualify again.
1: Yeah, you make a really good point about Coach Tapa. A Jamaican managing Jamaica. I just feel it's, it's so important. I mean, yeah. it, it makes a big symbol for everybody else, not just Jamaica, but even African nations, Caribbean nations, even smaller South American nations as well, I think.
2: And I think also young coaches, these young coaches in Jamaica who should be able to see Tappa in that position and have the ambition that one day they can lead the nation. It's not always going to be a German or a Brazilian or, a, a, you know, somebody from from South America, who's maybe got a a bigger CV, but might not know the country, might not know the intricacies, the nuances of of Jamaican football in the same way.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I wanted to quickly touch again on Mihal Antonio. Like, what a season. West Ham, amazing. I mean, giving away a point, I guess, against Arsenal, they probably could have done the business. But still, uh, something to be said about uh, him and that team.
2: he's a a one-man wrecking ball, Antonio, and that's not being disrespectful in terms of he's got good skills, he he can hold the ball up, can play in a number of positions. The biggest thing I like about him is he looks to me like, I'd love to have played with him, because he looks one of those infectious players that he goes and gets you going and gets the next guy going and brings a vibe that's really important. And it's a West Ham team now that we're starting to see a consistency. We're starting to know what we're going to get with the likes of him and Bowen and Lingard, who were a different profile from what West Ham had before. West Ham were always like the technical touch guys, but who turn up some days and not others, and you never quite knew what you were going to get. With the Mikel Antonios of the world, you 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 get a certain level of effort and performance every week, and then it seems now he goes you know, from 7 out of 10 to 8 out of 10 to 9 out of 10 sometimes. I mean, he basically put that team on his back during Project Restart at the end of last season with his goals and with his performances and made sure they, they were in the, the, the Premier League. And he would be a huge coup for, for the Jamaican uh, national team. And I think getting someone like Mikel might be the domino effect that you would need to attract one or two other, other players as well.
1: Yeah, he's the big magnet and then everything else can happen. Now, there was that moment against Arsenal. Yes, you mentioned about the wrecking ball and, and just the inspiration that he gives when he loses the ball to David Luiz yeah. and Luiz is just going down the half and then Tony's like, oh, hell no, I'm getting I've this back. Get he fouled yeah. him, but it yeah. was like amazing. Yeah, it tells but,
2: you a lot about the mindset of the man.
1: Yeah, he's a representation of lower league football and yeah. what it can do, I think, as well. Um, but he's, he's the big magnet. Listen, the thing is, though, Robbie, and, and we're nearly wrapping up here, everybody. Yeah. Um, if, if they do end up, you know, getting this squad because you mentioned yeah. there's already talented players in Jamaica, mm-hmm. Coach Kappa's doing a good job of course. but they could really disrupt CONCACAF here.
2: When we, when, I remember back in the day and you said so we're going back to 98 and myself, Dion Burton, Paul Hall Fitzroy Simpson with the first vote to come in and then Marcus Gale, Frank Sinclair um, joined us as well and and what what you we instantly new when we went to places like the US mexico canada you know some of the the bigger um, teams in in the region at the time there was a different feel to towards it was a different way they they looked at us because all of a sudden they took it a little bit more serious. now rightly or wrongly the 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 amalgamation of of jamaican football that, that has some highly skilled um, high-speed physical players with some of the technical things that we'd learned maybe systems maybe a little bit of professionalism and discipline when you mix those two together it can be a really powerful um thing to go and and when we we played in games you you just sensed that there was a different look a different feel people were viewing us through a different eye because of of those players that came in and and you know the the players we've we've listed with Mikel Antonio at the top of the list that would bring a different fear to to some of those teams. And, and, and that's a good thing because it, it brings parity. It brings the opportunity for different faces to be seen on, on the walk-up stage. And, and Jamaica, you know, I say it's been, what, 23 years since now since we were last there. Could desperately, you know, make, in, in the next few years, I'd like to see them going back.
1: Well, uh, I mean, I completely concur. It would be amazing for them to disrupt uh, CONCACAF and finally return. To the world cup finals the, the last thing robbie you're not on twitter it's just, it's a wise move uh, <laughs> any particular reason
2: um i do we do that handle through the two robbies which is, is okay. my football yeah, persona and, and that but i try i try and sometimes separate the two and feel that one one world is is robbie old you know the presenting ex-footballer and another world's robbie old the person who can have a life outside so i try and keep those the position of those two
1: no, well played. What one half is the Robbie Earl on WhatsApp yeah. with the crazy. Mm. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> those are the things I don't want. I don't want going on Twitter. <laughs> I, I think in America now I'd, I'd be locked up. I'd be calling you for bail. Like, you know,
1: the well, crazy gang in town. Well, we were saying, Robbie, before Tafek, that if the crazy gang played now in the night, 90- oh man, eight red oh, cards man. in every game, I think.
2: <laughs> oh man, just yeah, but enjoy us. Do you know what I mean? We, we, we were something different. We were the disruptors of the Premier League back in the day. And I'll tell you a very quick story that one time we, we beat Manchester United in, a, I think it was the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. And Sir Alex Ferguson came into our dressing room and said, You know, well done, you deserve tonight. I said, Sometimes. You know, my team need a little bit of what you've got. So even the greatest, even the very best managers appreciate sometimes what we did and what we stood for and what we we're about. We we didn't have the, the greatest players in the world, but you know what? We we gave every inch of, of, of everything that we got each game.
1: That's amazing. And I think that's a message for any young fan or young player mm. to just see like that kind of determination. Uh Either way, though, you'd probably get like nine red cards in every game. But still... Yeah. <laughs>
2: We, we always think we'd, we'd be top of one league. That's the red card and, and yellow card count.
1: And you know what? Vinnie Jones' biggest enemy would be VAR because they would just look back. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Well, Robbie, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining the show. My pleasure.
2: Man. Let's do it again sometime. Maybe end of
1: season. Absolutely. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Robbie Earle for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Que Golazo Pod. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, CBSports.com, and anywhere else that you listen to your pods. You can also watch us on YouTube, as mentioned before. Have a great, great rest of your week.
0: Okay, picture this.